is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Uh, first thing I want to say this morning is a really, really big thank you to all of you who uh, have been giving food to what is effectively at the moment Jubilee's food bank for residents in faith, hope and enterprise. Um, we've seen a real increase in that. We're, we're really, really grateful. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, the raw figures at the moment, just to give you an idea, um, we've got some empty spaces at the minute just as we're preparing for new residents. So we've got 21 people with us. Nine of them this week will not receive any benefit payments. That's the kind of proportion of people that we're talking about who have not got any money in their pockets. So uh, week before last, I was able to welcome someone from uh, HMP Lincoln. We've got a really good relationship with them. Uh, he arrived with us on the Thursday. Because of his uh, record, they didn't give him a discharge grant, so he arrived with a travel warrant and not a penny on him. Um, but he did have a letter um, so we can claim his rent, which is quite good for us, but not very good for him. Um, but when he walked into the room, there was a whole load of food uh, and there were some essentials like shampoo and shower gel and a toothbrush and toothpaste and toilet paper. And he wants to say thank you, Jubilee, for that gift. So I'm passing that on. Um, and if you're not giving yet, all we're asking is one pound per week or one item uh, that, we can, that we can hand out. There's a shopping basket in the foyer with some suggested shopping lists and I will make sure it gets to people who desperately need it. Thank you for what you're giving. Okay, that's loads of information in it. Shall we pray? And then we're going to start to unpack what we think God is saying to us. Father, thank you for your amazing love towards us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit with us this morning. Lord, we want to live lives that bring you glory and honour. And, and we ask that as we... Look at your word and the things that you've been speaking about this morning. You would challenge and transform us to be sons and daughters of God who bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this morning's a, a little bit different, um, but what we wanted to do uh, as a leadership team is just to let you know what God has been speaking to us about um, in a bit more detail than we have done so far. And uh, I'm going to try and put that in some context. So this is not my usual kind of uh, morning, really. I, but I want to give you a little bit of context for how this has come about and what God is saying. Um, and uh, to do that, uh, I can't begin to pull all the threads together because there's a few of us in the team and we all have our own stories. Um, but if I can just take you back uh, three weeks, I think, to when Julian Adams was with us. Uh, is that, can, we, can we do that in our minds? So Julian Adams was with us. There's a... Walking along the row there is an example of the accuracy and power of Julian's prophecy. Great to see you, Cathy. Uh, so he came, heaven touches earth. He brought prophetic words to individuals. Uh, he has a quite good track record, doesn't he, with us on prophetic? Yeah, very good, yeah, uh, on, on prophetic words. And he was with us on a Sunday morning, and he brought one or two. Uh, and after the meeting, he prophesied over uh, some of the leadership team, couples, husbands and wives, one or two other couples, um, and he had some great stuff to say. Now, I'm not going to tell you what he said to individuals specifically, except for some of what he said to me, because that was fantastic. Um, Five-star second honeymoon coming our way. <laughs> we, are, we are looking forward to this. Um, and I know from experience um, what an impact Julian can have, because he's actually, I, I've had him prophesy over me on three occasions now. Uh, and the first one was in a regional leaders 
meeting up in Manchester uh, before I was doing what I'm doing at the moment and he, he spoke to me about starting to work with broken men uh, and, and getting alongside broken men and really helping them through and leading them into what it is to be sons of God. Now that was before I was doing what I'm doing but it was impressing into what I thought God had for me that I built a relationship with Carl and Penny, some of the people that they were working with and ultimately that's why well, I ended up what I'm doing. So I know that Julian's words change lives. Kathy and Chase know that Julian's words can change lives. They're quite happy about that. It's quite fun. Um, so, and when he comes and he, and he prays and prophesies and speaks to you, you know that this is of God. Now we have to weigh it. We test it. Uh, we want, but we want to press into what we think God is saying. So some of what he spoke to us about when he prayed over us speaks into church life. And actually, that's not surprising. He's, he, was, he was praying for the church leadership team. So it's inevitable. Actually, when he prophesies over anybody, it has an impact on church life because we're all part of the body, aren't we? And you know, we all have our role to play. So if he speaks into your life, it's going to impact the church. certainly did for us. So what we wanted to do then was we met that week um, and we wanted to start to kick around some of the things that he brought, some of the things that God's been putting on our heart. Um, uh, just, what are you saying, Lords? And that night we had Tony Smith with us. Now, Tony's known to Jubilee, quite a long, Tony and Claire, quite long-standing friends, I think, of Graham and Sarah. He's been around before, he's spoken before. He's part of Jeremy's core apostolic team for uh, Christ Central Churches, so uh, he, he comes with some weight into our meetings, and it's great to have him there because, you know, sometimes a group of guys um, can just get a little bit carried away. Uh, I've never been known to get carried away, obviously, but thanks, thanks, David. Um, but, you know, you can get a little bit carried away, and it's good to have someone who, who knows you and cares about you, who's just kind of one step removed and could just help, you know, he helped us work through some stuff. So we began our, our meeting, as we begin most of our meetings, praying and worshipping God together. Um, and as we do that, we have a gift of tongues, um, which we've had this morning. It's, it's great when God brings that. So God gave this gift of tongues. Uh, this was John. We had a gift of interpretation, and you're going to have to help me. Just, But my recollection of that interpretation was that uh, John had been praying about being set free and like breaking out of prison uh, uh, and becoming free and beginning to understand what freedom means, how different it is, breaking out of this tight space uh, and enjoying God's freedom. Uh, and then Graham brought a reading from a psalm, I think, although it might have been Samuel, it was a psalm. Uh, and it, uh, he, he read this. And then right at the end of this reading, there is this line about being brought into a spacious land. Uh, and kind of almost as soon as he said that, Ray is really excited because Ray's had this kind of prophetic, this is what God is saying to us. And he began to speak to us about what God is saying. And it's, it's great when you're in those meetings, isn't it? When the spirit is moving and everyone's bringing gifts. And I'm sitting there thinking, I love the Peak District. Because... <laughs> You know, when people speak about spacious places, I just think about the Peak District. I've always loved the Peak District. And I've got in my head this view that you have as you're walking up the Tissington Trail from Ashbourne up towards Buxton, just before you get to Hartington. And you can look out over the hills and dales of the Peak District. And you kind of look in the distance. Minninglow is over there. And you can see up to the gritstone edges. Croom Hill is behind. It's just gorgeous. And um, you know, I'm not very spiritual, so that's what I was thinking about. And I just I started to pray about exploring the spacious places of the Peak District. 
And, you know, sometimes you pray, and it's, it's just words, isn't it? But, you know, it's good to do, and you pray, and, you know, that's, that's great. But sometimes when you pray, you catch something of the Spirit, don't you? And it's, it's just like totally different. Have you had these prayers, or is, does this only happen to me? Have you, you've had those moments where you just catch something in God when you're praying. Well, that kind of happens. So John then, on the Sunday, John asked me to, do, to pray that on the Sunday, which I did, um, and I felt like more of us caught something of what God was saying in the Spirit. Um, and I, did, I had one, people were kind enough to text me and Facebook me afterwards. Uh, so I think, yeah, we kind of got that. So but I didn't know this at the time. So I just said to John, is, you know, is that okay? And he went, well, that's a good start. <laughs> in that encouraging kind of way that John has. So it's a good start, but I think you should preach it. Uh, so we grabbed Graham, iPad, calendar. <laughs> First available date. Completely confused me. Got the week wrong. Um, This was the first available date. We want to start to explain what we think God is saying to us as a church about spacious places. Now, what I would really like to do is take the psalm that Graham read from and read it to you and, and exegete it and kind of take that phrase and say, this is what it's all about. But actually, sometimes... Sometimes you can't do that with the Bible because you'd be stretching it and twisting it and trying to make it mean something that it doesn't really mean. So in my head I'm thinking, yeah, I can't just take that verse. There's got to be some other stuff here, Uh, which was handy. Because one of the other prophecies that Julian brought to me was that in the night when I couldn't sleep, God would start to speak to me, which, you know, at 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning two weeks after he's brought that word, when you're wide awake thinking, I love the Peak District, God starts speaking to me. So I did have one crazy night on Twitter where I just put down everything he was saying. But one of the things that he started to show me was where this phrase appears in the Bible, really significant. So we're going to look at some of them this morning because it's not like I'm not ignoring the Bible and saying it doesn't, you know, what we're saying doesn't come from the Bible. It, it does. But what I want to do is look at a broader context so that we understand what is in God's mind when he speaks about spacious places, rather than trying to take one psalm and make it mean something it it blatantly doesn't mean. Does that make sense? Excellent. I do need you to answer me when I ask questions. They're not not rhetorical. So, I'm going to start in Genesis... Sorry, not Genesis. I should start in Genesis. Everything starts in Genesis. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. And this is weird because... I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have read Exodus chapter 3. It's the story of Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. Have you ever read this story? Have you read it more than once? Yeah, I've read this loads of times. This really caught me out. So this is God. The Lord said in verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I would never have remembered that phrase in that passage had I not started to... Uh, hear from God in the middle of the night. And suddenly, you think, ah. Okay, so this gives some context to what a spacious land is. God has seen his people suffering. They are in slavery. They have been in this land for 
400 years since the time of Joseph. They are an oppressed people. And God sees their suffering and, and, and decides, I'm going to rescue them. And I'm going to bring them out of this place of hardship and I'm going to bring them into a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Some translations will say a land of plenty. Now, your Bible may not say spacious. I've had to do something very odd today. I've had to go back to my NIV. I haven't used the NIV for years because that's the version that uh, Graham read from and this is where spacious land comes from. My translation I normally use is the ESV. It speaks about a broad land. Sometimes it uses the phrase a secure or safe place. Now, it's important that what, we, what I wouldn't want anyone to do this morning is look at your translation if it has a different word and say, well, my Bible doesn't say that, therefore the whole thing is nonsense. What you need to do is look at what your Bible says, look at the words, and add it to your understanding of what God is saying because it's just a translation. Okay, so it's a spacious land, a broad land, a safe place. These, are, these all add to our understanding of what God is bringing these people into. Okay, it's a land of plenty. It's a land of great, abundant blessing. It's where they're going to be fruitful. It's where they have freedom. They're trapped and enslaved, and he's bringing them into a place of freedom. He's bringing them into a place of promise. Because actually, this isn't just any old land. This is the land that he once took Abraham to and said, go and walk in it, and everywhere you set your foot, I will give to you and your descendants. This is a covenant land that God is bringing them into. It's it's part of the deal. When he is their God and they are his people, the land is part of the deal. It's a sign of his presence with them and his blessing. They enjoy the blessings of covenant in this spacious land. And equally, of course, part of the breach of the covenant, the breaking of the covenant, is that he takes them out of the land. In fact, in the blessings and curses in Deuteronomy, he uses the phrase, I will spew you out of the land. Exactly the same phrase Jesus uses to the church in Laodicea. Because you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. So the land is part of the promise. It's part of the blessing of being in relationship with God. Does Does that help? Okay, Does that help? I need some nods. I'm not getting many. Thank you. Okay. So this is one of the things that, what is in God's mind when he starts to speak to us about spacious land? He's talking about a land of promise, a land of grace, a land of plenty, a land of blessing, a sign of relationship. Okay, we then find that this also, I'm going to kick it over, aren't I? We then find that this, this phrase also gets used for individuals. So one of the individuals we will know in the Bible who suffered more than most is Job. Uh, And Job has a number of comforters, uh, most of whom aren't very comforting at all. Uh, One of whom, Elihu, is not so bad. And in chapter 36 and verse 15, Elihu says to Job about God, those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction, to the comfort of your table, laden with choice food. Hallelujah. This is an individual who has gone through hardship like most of us will never know. He has lost his family. He has lost his wealth. He has lost his health. And God comes to him 
And Elihu brings this, this word from God. He picks up on the suffering. Just like God spoke to Moses about the suffering of his people, he says he's wooing you from the jaws of suffering. Sorry, from the jaws of distress to a spacious place, free from restriction, to the comfort of your table, laden with choice food. Again, this image of abundant provision and blessing from God. And we know that Job enjoyed that at the end of his life. He remarried, he had another family, he had great wealth, everything was restored to him. The end was better than the beginning. And then David uses it a couple of times. I'm just going to read a couple. He uses it a bit more than this. But again, this kind of personalised view of what it is to be, to be uh, brought into spacious land. So Psalm 18 is one example, verse 16. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And in Psalm 31, he says, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Okay. So I don't want to just take like that verse and speak from it, but I think when, when God uses this phrase, this is the context in which he uses it. This is the history that the phrase has. Now we know, don't we, certain words have connotations that you know, kind of culturally we can attach to them. So if you're a fan of Miranda, for example, the word plunge might have additional meaning from what it has for normal people. Uh, and <laughs> Normal people? I watch Miranda, it's hilarious, but I'm not claiming to be normal. Um, (laughs) And it's the same with God. He uses these phrases and this whole history is attached to it. This history that goes right back to his covenant with Abraham about walking and exploring this land. The promise to Moses about rescue from suffering, being brought into a spacious land. He speaks to individuals about it, Job and David. And so when he brings that word to us, It carries that understanding with it. God is talking about bringing us to a place of great blessing and promise and plenty. Now, as a church jubilee, I've got to say, that's quite exciting. This is God speaking to us about what lies ahead. And it's good. And it's bountiful. And it's full of his blessing. So we have to kind of hone it in again a little bit. Okay, so what specifically were we thinking about and talking about? And there are just one or two things that I, I just kind of want to put out there this morning. Take this off and I'll be able to see it. One of them is that when Julian was with us a couple of years ago, he, he spoke to us about becoming a church of 500. And we've... we've mentioned that publicly and talked about that a little bit in the past and we um, you know 500 at the time a bumper sunday for us was about 100 people we were sitting there thinking it's really hard to imagine what a church of 500 would look like when you're a church of about 100 maybe maybe not quite that many so we began to think about 200 as well we can kind of picture that 
So let's start doing some stuff that will help us grow to 200 and that we will need to be in place to be that kind of size church so that by the time we get there, we can then be planning for the next bit. So the leadership team has been formed. We've been meeting together for a little while. We're getting on well, building some relationships. There's a kind of growing sense of team about this. We're starting to carry a bit more responsibility. That's been fantastic. Uh, David is on staff which has been, sorry, that's very good, Graham says, David on staff. I have to say every time, and I've said this to you before, David, very publicly, but every time I've dealt with David over anything, he has been excellent and he serves us so, so well. So I do want to commend David to you. He does a fantastic job, much of which is hidden. Charlotte's applauding. Shall we join her? Thank you, David. So we've started to do some of these things thinking, okay, so this is how we're looking to grow. These are some of the things we need to be doing. There's other things we'd love to happen. We would love new elders to appear in the church. These two guys do a fantastic job, Graham and John, as elders of the church. It is a tough, tough call, okay? I can tell you that because I've been there and it's been hard and I know it. It's been a tough call. We would like to see other elders arise in the church to share some of the, the load with them and carry some of the weight. There are other kind of implications of, well, like, we couldn't get 500 people in this room. So, you know, we've got to be thinking about some of that. We, we've got to be thinking there might be more staff involved. There are some financial implications here. There's quite a lot of stuff that we need to start working through as part of, part of growing. But more important than that is... Why would God call us to be a church of 500? Because the number is just a number. And it's definitely not a question of being able to say, well, I'm part of a church of 500 people. Because it's one of the first questions you get. If you, if you ever go to any leadership stuff uh, where everybody works for churches, your automatic conversation opener, what do you do for a living, is gone. It's just because all do the same thing. So like, one of the first questions is, so how big is your church at the moment? It's just, we're not interested in, well, we just want a big church. Why does God want to save loads of people? Because he loves them. And actually what we, what we want is a heart to see loads of people saved and added to the church so that we can grow stronger and be better equipped to see more people saved, brought into the kingdom and added to the church. That's what, it's, it's not about the number This is about becoming a church of influence and seeing people saved. Now, people will join us from other churches, and that's that's fine. I joined Jubilee from another church. That's okay. But I I don't want to grow to 500 just because people from other churches are joining us. I want to see people saved and added into the kingdom. And, And this is some of the stuff that God is beginning to say, well, this is out there for you now. You need to go and explore some of this stuff. I want to see... This, okay, this is our heart. We want, we want to see children who know and love Jesus and who are filled with the Spirit and living their lives for him, able to preach the gospel to their friends in a way their Christian teachers would never be allowed to do. I want to see schools filled with Christian teachers who can bring the love and compassion of God into the lives of children who desperately, desperately need it. I want to see Christians filling local government, making decisions about budgets and, and curriculum. And, you know, 
I want to see that stuff. I want to see Christians in local government making decisions that serve our city well and that bring justice. You know, one of the hard things... So this week, one of the things like this... So this is where my heart beats. You're just going to have to accept this. This week, um, I was talking to somebody who works in Milestone House, which is the single point of entry for homeless people. At the end of March... The budget for for accommodation-based support in Derby City is being cut by somewhere between 85 and 90%, which means that hostels like Hartington House, with over 30 bed spaces, down to places like the Padley with nine, are just closing at the end of March. Right across the city, scores of people reliant on accommodation are just going to end up rough sleeping with all the knock-on implications that that has. I want to bless them. I want to be. I said that to Carl, and Carl always does this to me. I have to sit down when I talk to Carl most of the time. Carl just said to me, Ooh, I wonder if we could buy it. (laughs) 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 Oh, my word. I want my company car first. Anyway. I want to see those decisions being made by Christians. Yeah? In, 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 in terms of the local councillors and the officers. I drive past Radio Derby all the time. I would love Christian influence in the media in this city. I would love to have radio interviews where we hear stories like Jeremy and Helen's on the radio, in the newspaper. Christian journalists, Christian presenters, Christian decision makers. I want to see this city influenced for the kingdom. And the the larger we grow, the more we can see. And do you know what's going to happen as we grow? Ministries are going to arise in our church that we haven't thought or dreamt of yet. You see, I, I know where my heart beats. I know what I'd love to do. But there's loads of stuff I... I would never think of doing that would serve this city well. And it might just be that God has put in your heart places where you could serve to reach out into care homes, work with the elderly, working with street girls, businessmen's lunches, whatever. There's stuff that we think God is saying, look, it's out there for you. You just need to go exploring. But I've got all this stuff for you. Let's just go looking. What is God leading you into? What has God put on your heart that you can do to see people in this city saved and added? They are desperate for the gospel. They might not know that, (laughs) but they are desperate for the gospel. We want to go out there and meet them. We want to serve them. We want to see them saved, don't we? That's our heart, isn't it? I've run no end of alphas where one or two people get saved. I think it's fantastic that people get saved on alpha. I'll tell you this, I'd love to see more. I'd love to run more alphas. <laughs> and part of what it is about growing is that our capacity to do that will increase and the number of ways that we can reach out will increase. This is the spacious land that God is calling us to explore. Yeah? Yeah? So that's kind of that's part of the context. But it goes further than that. Because actually, whilst we love this city and we want to see God honoured here and the name of Jesus lifted high here, he is calling us B. 
beyond this city. It is fantastic to be able to bring this message the week that Matt, Lou, Jordan and Layla moved to Burton. Uh, yeah, should we give the Lord a round of, round of applause for Burton? We have people in Burton now because God has been speaking to us about planting a church there. And we've got a, we've got a life group running. We've got people moving in. Maybe you're one of those people who's going to be moving to Burton to be part of that. But we want to see people saved there. So we're going to have to invest something in what God is doing in that town. Suddenly we've got people from Belper around and life groups starting. I I moved to Ashbourne because God called us to be part of church planting there. That's been the most weird journey of my life. But I still have a heart for the town that God called me to live in to see people saved. We see relationships growing with with other churches in our family. So Amplify, all the kids last night over in Leicester, I was pretty much sound asleep by the time they got home. I hardly saw any of them, but they've built some fantastic relationships with that church over in Leicester, really good friendships, stuff where we can work together and alongside things. The city's going to be blessed by that. Graham's been able to go and spend time with them because they're having a, uh, they've had a tough time and Graham's been working into that. He's been, uh, you know... He, places where Graham is going because we've been able to release him to go and serve a wider family of churches because if God is going to grow us to 500 it's not just for this city there's a bigger vision than this God is calling us to encourage, strengthen, support, minister to and plant churches in other places and there's going to be more of us travelling out to those other places to do that. So we're not quite sure. I don't know how you phrase that really. We're, we, we're kind of using the, the, the term apostolic uh, uh, resource church. That kind of idea that actually God is going to raise people up here who will be able to go out, whether that's moving physically to be part of planting and working with, or whether that's just traveling out to minister to and to support other churches uh, in our family. And, and that might go to the nation's. So we've given Dave and Hannah Moon to Nagoya in Japan to to work with them and to serve them. There's going to be more of that as God puts new places in our heart. We We don't have all the answers. This is a spacious land. I mean, there are loads of things that God has for us that we have never seen, that we we haven't really even dreamt of, but he is inviting us Let's go exploring. Let's see what we can do together. Let's see where this can take us. Now, it's really important to understand that this isn't just a a bunch of guys who are so full of themselves that they think, we could do this (laughs) with men. That would be very dangerous indeed. Uh, in In fact, God says, whilst he gives grace to the humble... He opposes the proud. So if we, were, if we were just thinking, we're fantastic, we could do this, God would be against us. That's, that's quite a concerning thought. I was, uh, I was driving yesterday, 2 o'clock. Uh, I'd got Joe in the car with me and we were driving home. 2 o'clock, hour before kickoff, the team sheets are published. This is a football reference, Carl. Just the, the team sheets are published. And... The first thing you do when you're in a team and the, and the opposition's team sheet is published is you want to see who's playing for them. 
Because, you know, if you're up against Man United, you're checking, is Van Persie on the team sheet? Because if he is, you're going to struggle. If he's not, you might stand a chance, you know. If you're up against Spurs, Gareth Bale, is he playing today? Obviously, you're up against Liverpool, you've got no hope. Um, If you're up against Arsenal, why do they sell all their best players all the time? Imagine looking at the opposition team sheet and seeing God was playing for the opposition. God was opposing you because you got so full of yourself, you set about doing something for your own glory. That was just for you, James, that Arsenal joke, by the way. That would be horrible. But we're not doing that. Actually, the way that God has been speaking to us It's coming from people outside of us. It's people like Julian who are coming in and bringing prophecies about where Graham's ministry is going to take him and what God is going to be doing in John's life. People like Ginny Burgeon in Sheffield who have prophesied stuff that we've kind of parked because we couldn't really see how that was going to work out. You know, I I had a, a, a little period of time two or three years ago, maybe a little bit more now, where people were saying stuff over my life that was like, that is never going to happen. Man of faith. That is never going to happen. I'll just park that. And now God starts speaking to us and you think, oh, hold on. He was saying that stuff. That's where that might fit in now. And we're talking about this with Tony Smith. So we've got someone else from outside of our number who's saying, I think God is saying this to you. I think God, you might want to explore this. You might want to think about how this might work. Yeah. Now, we're not just dreaming dreams. We take prophecy seriously. Paul tells us when it comes to prophecy, do not treat prophecy with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Well, there's some good. (laughs) We really believe there's some good. So, this is something... Now, I say we don't have all the answers because actually some of this is what God is doing in your heart. And it will be stuff that you can draw alongside and get involved with. Or you can start. Or someone who joins us and gets saved will say, I've got a ministry to so-and-so, and and something in your heart will go, I want to be part of that. In order to see people saved and brought into God's kingdom and added to the church. That's why we're doing it. So there's loads of stuff to think about. But what we're saying to God is, Here I am. Show me. Send me. I'll do this. I would like to pray. Um, It would be good. Would you be able to just come back? Well, I'd like to. I don't know what's going to happen now. Um, (laughs) Part of exploring spacious places is doing what you've never done before, and this is my first step. I'm doing something I've never done before. But hey, if we're going to see God work, do, do new things, that's what we need to do, isn't it? So I'm going to pray. Uh, I just hope something of that, uh, uh, you have caught something of that. Um, I think we're going to be looking at a little bit more on Wednesday night. That's, you can have that back. Um, Graham, Graham's going to open some of that up a little bit more on Wednesday night. But what I'm hoping today is that the Spirit is putting something in your heart that you can respond to for this morning. Okay, now, I don't know what that is, so I'm just going to pray, all right? We'll have a song that's going on.
Let's see what God does as we pray together. Father, thank you that you bring salvation. Father God, thank you that the picture of the Exodus is such an amazing image for us of what you have done for each one of us individually. You have rescued us from slavery to sin and a bondage to death and you have brought us into a wonderful kingdom where we have eternal life in Jesus and where you have filled our lives with bountiful good things. Lord, we love you. We love you. Father, thank you that you only have good for your children. We want to walk in it, Lord. We want to explore all that you have for us as children of God. We want to explore what it is to live life in the power of your Holy Spirit, honoring your words, bringing you glory. Lord, we want to be adventurous when it comes to speaking to people about Jesus. We want our faith increased for seeing healings, Lord, in our meetings and on the streets of this city. Lord, oh God, thank you that Amplify will be out there on the streets in a couple of weeks. Young people, Lord, we pray for many to respond to the invitation to come on Easter Sunday and we pray for a gospel message spoken in truth with authority where your Holy Spirit can take the words and transform lives as people give their hearts to you. Lord, we want to see salvation on that day. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come in our families and our workplaces and our communities. We want to see the name of Jesus lifted high in this city, Lord. We want to be a church that can strengthen and encourage and support churches in other towns and other cities, in different locations, Lord. We make ourselves available. We'll do what you call us to do, Lord. Father, hear hear our hearts. Hear our hearts. We want to serve you for your glory. Holy Spirit, I I, want to ask you now, just come on individuals with the hopes and the dreams and the promises that may have been shelled for years and breathe life into them. Oh, Lord. Where we were thinking earlier this morning about how life can just get a grip Break us free, Holy Spirit. Free to love you, free to serve you, free to be yours. Come, Lord. Okay, we're going to sing. I want to encourage you. If God has just lit a little flame in your heart, um, if you want to come forward, we'll pray together. If you you want to be able to say, yeah, I just want to go and explore the spacious land that God is speaking about, come to the front. We'll pray together. We'll pray with you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Come along on any Sunday morning.